You're listening to Bellwether's podcast with Matthews Joseph. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Bellwether's podcast. This is Matthews Joseph and we have a new guest with us. Her name is India Peshwar. She's all the way from Israel. So she's our first guest from Israel. So, and it's an honor to have her here. She is a content creator and she's also a cultural journalist with I-24 News who loves to travel all around the world. She's been to many places, different places, different, she's experienced different cultures and also been a cultural journalist as well. So she's going to share with us her experiences uh, with cultures, with journalism and a lot of stuff like that. So without further ado, um, India, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Bellwether's podcast. It's a big honor to have you here. No, I'm honored. Thank you for reaching out and um, here to tell my story and hopefully teach other people what it's like to connect the world through culture. <laughs> All right, that's great. So do you mind telling us a, a bit about yourself before we get started off in, in a very short notice? Awesome. So, well, my name is India. I'm actually originally from the United States, but now I'm working and living in Tel Aviv, Israel as a journalist with I-24 News. I come from a military family. My father is actually Indian, but uh, he was born and raised also in the United States. We moved around the country a lot as a family. So that really influenced my desire to see the world, see diversity and connect it all together. Uh, that's great. So uh, so I'm going to base our first question about cross-culture. So, uh, so yeah, you said you're from India. So even though you, 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 uh, your grandfather was like in, from India, I mean, your father from the was brought, uh, yes, from, yes. Uh, yes, from the US. So uh, they, they, they were, uh, you guys were like basically brought up in, in the States. So, you know, how, but still, how were you able to build this cross-cultural relationship with India? So, you know, Matthews, be, growing up in America, as an Indian American, you can lose a lot of your Indian heritage just because you grew up in American society, especially my, my father is an officer in the military. So he, we were very patriotic, very uh, passionate about uh, the United States. But um, growing up, it was also very important. My dad would always do small things to incorporate Indian culture in our childhood. We would make curry and we would make a roti together as a family. We would watch Bollywood movies, listen to uh, Indian music, small things like that to keep the culture uh, alive in our blood, you know? And because we moved around so much, we weren't close to our Indian family, which most of them live in New York City. And because we were so far from them, we were not able to go to their weddings or be part of their lives. And they were able to keep their Indian heritage much more than us just because they were together in an Indian community. But um, bringing this up and, and connecting the, the, my Indian heritage with the American and then all the way to here in Israel, it's something I've always carried with me. Uh, growing up as well, I would go check out all the books about India in the library and read and read and read and want to learn more. And coming into adulthood, it's something that I've, I've been able to not only keep to myself now, but to share to the world here in Israel. Israelis love India. You probably have heard that one of the big things that Israelis do after they serve in the army is they travel to India. And so when Israelis hear uh, that you are part Indian and even that your name is India, it, it amazes them and, it, and they ask questions and it gives uh, me and other Indians here in Israel, an awesome platform to share because there's so many people curious about Indian culture. 
I really connected to the Indian embassy here in Israel. They are dear friends of mine and I've become very close with some of the diplomats and they're just awesome people. And they've really helped me and other content creators who love India uh, promote Indian culture here in Israel because there's a huge, huge, uh, how do I say audience for it? Because Israelis simply love India. Yeah, I think that's great, you know, but uh, coming from an Indian heritage myself, I would be able to, I mean, supplement what you just said, because uh, India has a very rich heritage and a, a rich cultural heritage. I mean, if you go to, the, there's like 28 states, 29 states in India, if you go to all 29 states, you would see all different, 29 different culture, which is something very rare. I mean, it, I mean I've mean, i been here in the US, there's like 50 states, but still there is like, a, you see almost the culture is just almost the same. I mean, there, there are some Southwestern differences, Texan differences and Californian maybe and East Coast ones. But other than that, there's like very minimal, you only find very minimal cultural heritages. But if you look at a country like India, there's so much diversity and there, there, there there's so much, you know, different stuff that's happened there. And I think that's something that, you know, that's really amazing to me when I look at it. When I look at it, like there is like, different types of cultures different types of people because I, I i study i did my college days in my in a different in a different state and i could learn the culture there and I, i've lived in a different uh, in a northern state for a while and i know how the culture is there so it's like a mix of cultures different types of things there's a lot you can learn from this culture the way they do things uh i, I think the the, the the way they think the way the, the patterns that you see actually if you observe them i think that's amazing and i think that's why people are so much looking forward to india because the way we got we indians do things is different so i think that that also adds up to the whole thing so yeah i mean just like adding on to what you just said you know the cultural heritage i mean there's a lot we can learn i mean not just from indian culture i would definitely say i mean every other culture has something that we could learn from and it's, it's the way we look at it i mean if you actually observe the way that they do, do things and the way that you know especially europe i mean one one culture that I, what i would love to emphasize the european culture the way that europeans do i mean the german way of engineering is something that that's like culturally developed and if you actually look at that there's something you could learn from that so if you look at cultures, there's a lot you can learn and there's a lot, you know, you, you, you can use that to develop yourself or develop the community as well. Absolutely. And the more we learn about each other's culture, like what you were saying about you can learn one thing from the Germans and another thing from the Americans, the more we can take that into our own lives. And that's the yep. beautiful thing about connecting the cultures is because every culture has something that maybe the other culture doesn't have, but you can learn from and grow from. Yeah. Exactly. That's very true. So, yes, I'm just going to jump on to our next question right now on to journalism. So, you know, uh, you, you're a journalist with I-24 News. So, I mean, yeah, and you you have been asked to cover some challenging situations as well. Some, uh, I, I mean, I've seen your Instagram and the way that you have actually, you had to go to the borders and, you know, uh, cover all those stories. So what are the challenges that you faced in your journey in uh, in becoming a journalist in doing journalism, especially in a country like Israel? <sighs> well, I would first have to say the biggest challenge is sticking to What's actually happening, what I mean by that is you can feel very swept away by emotions when it comes to being in the middle of a situation, when you feel rockets all around you and uh, your building shaking while your city is under attack. And it can be very emotional and difficult to tell your side of the story in an objective way, but and present it in an objective way. But I would say as of now in the, mo in the moment, Israel is a country that is 
under a lot of scrutiny. It's a country that many people consider very controversial. Um, but putting that aside, politics isn't my specialty, but what I do believe is the challenge of going past the emotion and looking at what we have before us and taking that and presenting it with the most integrity that you can. I'd also say another challenge is dealing with the criticism that you deal with uh, representing Israel. Um, I won't get into uh, the, the um, excuse me, I wouldn't get into the, the, the debate of defending Israel or not defending Israel, but I would say the threats getting that I receive online, dealing with that has been very difficult and it's a very unique journalistic challenge to those who are journalists in Israel. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I've I've heard of like a lot a lot of stuff, you know. I mean, especially journalism is like, I, I, I we see like there's different types of journalists definitely, but you know, you're you've been facing with all these things. So how do you? I mean, how do you deal with these challenges? Honestly, you know, how do you take it up? I mean, how do you? I mean, you know, even uh, now I'm not I'm not just talking about threats, but you know, all all kinds of challenges that you face being in a media field. How were you able to you know uh, adjust to it and cope up with that? I just have to make uh, remind myself that what we're putting online does not define us, does not reflect who we are as a person who God created us to be. And that's so important because when you're putting a piece of yourself constantly online, you are constantly questioning your worth because there are other people questioning your worth. And so the way I deal with that challenge of uh, this constant scrutiny and questioning of yourself online is, is I have to put a boundary when I come home, uh, I'm tempted to look at social media and scroll and, and respond. And I love to connect with my audience, but at the same time, um, there's a very blurred line because social media can also be very personal, but it's also professional in my case. So for me, creating that boundary of work and work social media and day-to-day uh, -day sharing my life social media, creating that boundary has really helped me. And that mental boundary as well as this does not define who I am. These messages don't reflect my self-worth. And for me, that's been the number one way I've been able to stay, stay mentally stable during these really challenging and crazy times. Oh, that's, that's very crazy. I mean, but that's, that's actually the absolutely right, right, right thing to do as well. You know, say, uh, I mean, do what you have to do. I mean, you know, do, do it the way you do it because I mean, I think uh, being a creative, especially and a journalist as well, it is challenging and, you know, you need to balance it both off. And also today, most people don't understand that there's a professional and a personal balance in social media. Everybody makes it either too personal or everybody else makes it too professional. And I think that it's time like, you know, people need to draw, especially content creators, needs to draw a fine line between professionalism and personal 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 stuff and when you don't draw the fine line that's when all the messes happen and then you mix up the professional and the personal and mixing up the professional and, and the personal is like mixing oil and water and if you if you do that it's gonna end up as a bigger mess so i think you know and uh, most content creators don't do that and that's why it causes a lot of issues with them and you know and it causes a lot of uh Burnout. people come in burnouts definitely burnouts has been a big thing because they don't understand like you know and today i mean i think that's happening to not just the people in social media but i think burnouts happen a lot of times you know um in in our organizations as well you know and everywhere there, there's a so start. visible online you can see when someone burns out whereas maybe if i'm working in an office you don't see that burnout but it happens to everybody if we allow it yeah, one of my friends was recently saying that you know, in most organizations, 
20% of the work is uh, 20 percent of the people does 80% of the work. So that's yeah. like a very, very bad ratio. So that, that's like, that's a huge imbalance that has already been created. And so when that happens, it causes burnouts to the 20% of the people who are actually doing the work. And that's just, a, just, just not in terms of social media, but in organizations as well, small time, big time, all types of organizations, there's this issue, this imbalance happens. And when this imbalance happens, there's no way you could replicate that or you could stabilize that. So what happens is like, at the end people end up quitting being burned out they give everything to the company but again it ends up in a in, in a in a burned out place in a in a very you know in a very mentally uh in a mentally bad state and that exactly causes all these things so i think you know uh that uh, like you said you know drawing the line between professionalism and personal stuff i think that's the best way we can do to balance social media or anything in our in our life because we don't want both of them to get mixed up together And I would say a practical way to do that, if I want to give an example of my life, I try to respond to as many messages as possible. In fact, my dream is to respond to all of them. But what I do is set a timer for 15 minutes um, during my work hours, and I just respond straight for 15 minutes. And it is is amazing how many messages you can get through and how many people you can uh, engage with in just 15 minutes. And when those 15 minutes are up, even if I didn't get to all the messages I wanted to, I close it and I'll get back to it tomorrow. That's 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 a great piece of advice. I think you know a lot of people could use that practical that practical uh, idea that you just said. So on to our last question, and um, yeah, so what advice would you give to people who would like to enter the field of journalism or the new you know, or uh, news field media? Go ahead and start being a journalist now. You don't need the name journalist. You don't need a press pass to be. A journalist right now. You can do it now. I began just sharing my story on YouTube, just showing what was going on in my life. In short, it wasn't national news, but it was local community news of the people that was happening, of what was happening with the people around me. And by that, I was noticed by a news channel who then picked me up and allowed me to have a platform to be a cultural journalist. And because news is moving towards digital, not even moving. News is digital. In fact, in the United States, I believe over 70% of the population gets their news off of social media, which for better or for worse, it's, it's almost kind of scary, but that's another debate for another day. But we already know that social media is where the news channels are at. So you have this whole platform on your phone right here to be your own news channel. Anyone can be a news channel. You can be a news channel. You can make your own platform a news channel. You don't have to be under the name of a news channel to be a journalist. And that's what I um, encourage people to think about is that you can be your own news channel with your own integrity, of course, um, of doing all you can to present the facts in a way that are objective, but of course, also Another thing I always tell journalists and people who speak to me is, of course, I have an opinion. Of course, I have a bias. The first thing we learn is everyone has a bias. But I think the most important thing we can do when being your own news channel, like I was talking about, is saying this is the facts and these are my opinions. It's it's good to share both, but it's also good to be transparent about which which is which. And I admire people who do that. And I, I uh, want to... Um, take those practices in my own work too, to, to make it clear what is a fact and what is an opinion. 
Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely what you should do. I mean, that's like the practical side. I mean, if you look at the practical way, you know, it's not just about facts that you share. I mean, yes, I mean, I think every person has an opinion, and every every I I believe every person should have his or her opinion in whatever it is, even if it's a cultural issue and if it's a global issue. And I mean, I I know people who discuss politics, like you know, I know I know people like I, I got friends who actually get together and you know when we have discussions, we discuss politics, and there's always going to be a fine line with where. Uh, where people would be like supporting an issue and, and where, where people will, will be against the issue. But still, I mean, I think today, in today's world, our opinions are not valued. And I think we need to be make sure, we need to make sure like not making it on a debatorial basis, but I think every person's opinion is valued and every person's point of view can actually be taken place into whatever is happening. And so, like you said, you know, you, you, you address the facts, then you address the opinions. I think that's like the best way to, to deal with this. I, th- I think that's, that, that, that's like, uh, you know, best practice in media journalism, I would say, because being uh, be, uh, sharing your facts, sharing the facts, sharing the truth, and sharing also the opinion. I, th- I think that's like, that's the way that, you know, it is supposed to be. But unfortunately, today, uh, it's more, uh, it's more of more opinions rather than truths. So, and the truth is being buried under the opinions of people or mainstream people or mainstream media. And I think that's supposed to change sooner or later in the, in, in the future. I believe that it would. And, and when that change, when that change happens, I think that's when, you know, the, the, tr- the true exposure of media would come up. And I believe that's when, you know, media, uh, media journalism would actually be what it, it was intended to be or what it was supposed to be. Absolutely. And it's something as a journalist I'm working towards is how can I make it clear my these are the facts and how can I make it clear that this is my opinion and, and sewing that all together into this piece. And uh, there's journalists uh, that are, I would say, social media journalists um, that, I, that I look up to. Um, for example, Philip DeFranco on YouTube. He's a very famous YouTube uh, news YouTuber. Uh, of course, I don't always agree with everything he says, but I do appreciate how he will present the story and then he will say, this is what I think. Um, I think that's something I look up to and something I hope to do even more. I know I haven't been perfect in the way I've presented things. Uh, it is something that I'm trying to pay more attention to, but when you're so focused on just getting started, it's overwhelming. And then thinking about uh, these other factors of, okay, how... Am I presenting the facts and opinions in a transparent way? Um, that's that's like a next level thinking other than, because uh, you're already trying to think, oh my gosh, I'm stumbling over my words. Even right now, feeling like, oh my gosh, uh, what do I say? I'm stumbling and this and that. And so those are the first things on your mind. But once you've really, through experience, learned how to get your words out clearly without having a script, then you can really focus on fine tuning these. Okay, so this is how I can focus on being transparent with my audience. Wow, I think that was incredible, all those advices and the practical ideas that you shared. And yes, I think that's uh, we've come to uh, to a wrap right now. And you know, thank you so much, India, for sharing your thoughts, sharing your views and your opinions uh, about journalism and culture. And uh, again, it was such a joy and honor to have you here. And you know, we had so much fun time with you sharing your thoughts. So yeah, uh, is there anything that you would like to say before we close out? Well, if any of you are listening, my, uh, my name is India and... Uh... You can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Feel free to reach out to me. I really hope to be able to get back to you and uh, answer your questions. I love getting questions. So feel free, Indian International. Um, Yeah, and any advice, I can give you some personal advice. I hope that I can get to it. But yes, that's it. And I want to thank you, Matthews, for speaking with me today.
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it, was, it was a great joy to have you here. So to the guys that were listening to this podcast, thank you so much for listening. And all the links to India's Facebook and uh, Instagram are actually there in the episode description. So make sure you guys go check her out, give her a follow and reach out to her if you have some questions, not just in relation to media, but it, be it anything you could actually uh, you could actually get get to her. So, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks again so much. Thank you so much for listening. And you guys have a great day ahead. Thank you for listening to Bellwether's podcast. If you loved this episode, do not forget to share and subscribe. Also, we would really appreciate if you could leave a review. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.